Did Uncle Bulgaria used to dress as Mike Bat? That's who he is, that's who he is. Is Donald Trump on the rag or is he just always like that? That's who he is, that's who he is. Helen and Ollie, that's who he is. Shock news for the Man Family Men and uh, your brilliant idea to have a Mars-themed restaurant, Ollie, as uh, outlined in episode 320, where all the food will be red. Has someone provided crowdfunding? Can we finally get this off the ground? The shock news is that it's already been done. Oh, well, that doesn't surprise me. And it's already been shut down. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Sarah says, one of my favourite late 90s Times Square theme restaurants was Mars 2112, at which the elevator from street level to the cave-like dining room simulated a rocket launch. That's cool. I hadn't thought about how you'd enter the premises. I just thought about the colour of the meat. Cost billions every time. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think the burgers were coloured red, says Sarah. So perhaps there was room for improvement. It certainly was. Anyway, Ollie's dad was right. It was tremendously popular. Stanley Mann, burger visionary. Yeah, but it shut down. But nonetheless, uh, in the 90s, it was a good idea. He wasn't necessarily coming up with ideas that would last the uh, the course of decades. I mean, even the Rainforest Cafe is a bit patchy these days, if you've ever been in there. I've not been in there. Seen better days. Which is odd, because you'd think with the theming of a rainforest, if anything, as it ages, it would become more beautiful. Regarding different facets of Answer Me This, episode 320, Chris has written in to say, following your discussion about parents who don't name their babies immediately, the American former Olympic skier Pickaboo Street was known as Baby Girl or Little Girl until she was three. Baby Girl. It's quite sassy, isn't it? Yeah. Baby Girl? Hmm. Yeah. Ah, baby Girl. I get, as an actual name, it's quite cool. Her parents wanted to let her pick her own name when she got older, but apparently they had to name her when she was three so she could get a passport. Ah, oh, you see, this is it. So even if mm. legally nothing intervenes to say you have to name your child, which is what we were speculating about. Practical considerations. Eventually, yeah. yes. yes. You're going to have to enrol them or you're going to have to get some documentation. Also, at some point, you're going to have to refer to them in a third person by something other than a pronoun. Yeah, That's or- a practical consideration that happens really early on. Chris says, I assume she chose the name Pickaboo, which is exactly the kind of name a toddler would pick. But according to Wikipedia, she was named after a town near her home in Idaho. Where do you stand on naming people after the place in which they were conceived, like the Beckhams did? It depends on the place, doesn't it? If it's like Swindon, then maybe that's not what you want to peg on them forever. Yeah, but I just wonder whether Swindon would be as exotic for a couple from Brooklyn as Mm. Brooklyn was to the Beckhams. It probably worked if you didn't conceive them in the place that you always are otherwise mm. Letchworth would be a bad Letchworth or, or, or McDonald's toilet <laughs> is that where you were conceived <laughs> uh, Mark uh, on the subject of names as well uh, says there is a predominantly Catholic practice of choosing a new name upon one's confirmation uh, usually the name of a saint uh, I chose one when I was confirmed at 17 although I haven't used it at all. Yeah, my friend Julie uh, had this. She's from Ireland, where I think it's pretty standard to get confirmed, even if uh, you don't believe it or care. Which saint did she go with? Patrick. <laughs> Caused a real stir. I can imagine. That's a real uh, middle finger up to the tradition, isn't it, whilst <laughs> you're going through with it? Exactly, because you're meant to go for something like... Um, a lot of the saints have uh, horrible names that they go for. They're like um, Conceptor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why she veered off course. That's like a superhero villain, Conceptor. <laughs> True. Uh, I think what's, I, what's the superpower? They then? get you pregnant with just one beam. Um, well, just before we uh, conclude the leftover business from episode 320, David would like you to know there were beavers in Greece. It's Becky from London. Uh, answer me this. How come in the doorways of butcher shops they have, like, metal chain curtains? What's the point of them? 
Well, Becky, it just so happens I have a butcher shop in the family, so you've asked the right person oh. about wow. metal chains in butchers' doorways, or as I like to call them, meat flaps. Oh. Uh, it turns out, uh, if you are walking around as a butcher wielding a large animal carcass... With blood all over your hands. With blood all over your hands, it's not great to have to open a door of any variety. Then why not just have nothing in the doorway? Uh, because flies like dead carcasses too. Yeah, but can't they get through the metal chain curtain? They can't get through plastic flaps, which is actually what your most modern-day butcher shops, including my family butcher shop, Louis Mann and Son in Edgware High Street, yes. uh, have nowadays. I, I used to be obsessed with the uh, multicoloured plastic flaps curtain <laughs> yes. in the uh, butcher of my childhood. I used uh, to try and plait it. But the traditional butcher does still sometimes have the metal ones. Mm. The reason for that is, well, I mean, obviously metal predates plastic, so it's an older thing. No shit. Um, you know, Iron age before plastic age. Indeed, yes. Uh, and so it's a sort of traditional thing for a traditional butcher. Sometimes people like to have it just merely for the tradition but uh the reason that they were metal rather than anything else when they made them mm-hmm. uh is that uh, it was twofold really um it puts off the sun because it's reflective yes although not completely impermeable well of course not completely being made of chain but again in the pre-air conditioning era yeah. it does put off the sun a bit stops your meat getting tanned uh, and the other thing is all to do with the way that flies actually see the metal beads because oh. um, you know they've got those weird sort of hexagonal eyes haven't they yeah they see they see metal beads and they're confused by it and oh. they can't understand what it is so they fly away so that's the reason so it might look like a sort of sheet of water or something like a waterfall or possibly a solid door like well, they yeah, obviously yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah. understand that they could fly between the two bits so. you can yeah. tell what a fly's thinking yeah. Martin. <laughs> exactly. inscrutable anyway trial and error over the years butchers deduced that this was a way of uh, keeping the meat cool fly free and mm. also accessible good to know that when you touch one of those curtains you're probably getting a lot of raw meat a lot of raw meat you. bacteria Yay. yeah hello Alan Lolly. this is John from London um if you were going to be a character in Taylor Swift's Bad Blood uh, music video, what would be the name of your character? Okay, so I know that pretty much everyone in the world, judging by the YouTube count, has seen this video, but until today I hadn't. No, it was interesting to watch your first time. <laughs> and there were a lot of people in it that you did not recognise. The video? Yes. Um, it, it didn't look like they'd scrimped on budget too much on that, although... Except for the special effects. The explosion was hey, a you. bit poor. <laughs> and the sets. Uh, Why were they playing up London? Uh... Some say that it is a jab at Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriend Harry Styles, who is from Great Britain. Really? Or at Katy Perry, her enemy, whose ex-husband Russell Brand is from Great Britain. How much money did they spend doing a really lame beef? Well, they didn't literally blow up London. No, I, well, London I'm aware still of that. No, we're, we're still here. Otherwise, Taylor Swift would now be considered a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have um, an alternative suggestion for why it's London. Uh-huh. I think it is one of the most recognisable skylines in the world. Only recently now, actually. Obviously, Brits mm. knew St Paul's, It's because of the Gherkin, isn't it's it? It's because of the Gherkin. So now you've got the Gherkin, St Paul's, Big Ben. Everyone in the world Millennium knows. That's London, yeah. Um, and so it's recognisable around the world, but it's not an American city, so Americans aren't going to have the discussion on their talk radio shows about, why did she just blow up our plane? Why wouldn't she yeah. blow up yeah. Paris? That's got an Eiffel Tower. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Maybe she couldn't get there because of all the striking. Maybe the special effects found it easier to do uh, our cartoon buildings than uh, Paris. Anyway, anyway, um, the video's full of cameos from people that I didn't recognise, which just underlined to me how old I am. Well, you don't spend enough time beating off to Victoria's Secret models. <laughs> That's what my careers advisor said to me. <laughs> he was so right. Um, so I recognise literally out of everyone in the video, mm-hmm. uh, Taylor Swift, yeah. 
um, Cindy Crawford, yes. uh, who I did put the beat-off time into uh, back in the 90s. And she appreciates that. <laughs> she did. Uh, and uh, Ellie Golding. No one else. Who else is in it? Uh, lots and lots of Victoria's Secret models. Yeah. And uh, Lena Dunham's in it for a split second. Oh, I must Lena Who's the woman that like, double-crosses her at the beginning? Selena Gomez. I recognise that name. Is she? That, did she used to go out with Justin Bieber? Correct. Oh. So t- she and Taylor Swift had a falling out probably because that relationship would have been hideous to watch. Right. So Taylor Swift got all of her famous friends together, or not even all, a tiny fraction of her famous friends, and got them to be in this video, and they got to choose their own names. So they went for crap things like Domino and the Headmistress. Yeah, one of them's called Arsene. Like <laughs> with a Y. That sounds like a medication you take. <laughs> Park Parliament, isn't it? It's like your preparation in, age. Arse on, gamma on, fish, fish fingers. If you had been in Taylor Swift's collection of friends, mm. you would have been able to choose your name. So, Ollie, which name would you have so chosen? What's my shit superhero name that I yeah. choose? Well, if I was wearing spandex like yeah. Taylor Swift yeah. is, maybe like Elexor. Alexa's good. I was going to go for Jufro for you. (laughs) Such a racist. For me, I would go for... Oh, hold on. Can I choose? Yeah, go on. Gobshite. That is better than mine. I love that. That's dynamic. I was going to go for either Grammatica (laughs) or The Blob. No. Yeah, I think because she's being taught in the ways of combat. I mean, compared to Taylor Swift. Don't I get a... Uh, a ninja name the hairball yeah yeah something, something i was thinking beard with a y somehow beard <laughs> yeah. yeah like beard sisters yeah <laughs> i think there's something more sign, but i really like that you've name. been looking for a new band name haven't you beard sister yeah that's a good name for a folk band isn't it <laughs> it actually is yeah i can see the artwork yeah so can i it's yeah. like those 70s psychedelic things where it's all purple with like a lime green font except there's fur all over it if you've got a question email your question Here's a question from Christopher from London, who says, My mother has a cupboard full of ageing desktop PCs in various states of disrepair. Wow, I must go to her house. It's like a theme park. (laughs) Long since abandoned by her children when they moved out. Mm. She asked me to enter this Windows 95 Narnia to see if if there's anything worth keeping before she threw them out. Well, that is a positive step. Uh, Mm. My dad's Windows 95 Narnia equivalent is all up in our attic, and I think he's basically waiting for the weight of the computer combined computers to bring the ceiling down so he doesn't have to deal with it individually takes the decision away exactly (laughs) says christopher i duly took out all the hard drives looked through them and found many old photos which my parents were pleased to see again oh you're a good son it really is i then used the other parts to build my parents a file server that will sit quietly under the stairs simultaneously backing up their laptop both locally and to the cloud wow and also allowing them to revisit these rediscovered digital memories. Okay, I withdraw my previous comment. You're too good a son. Fuck you. You're upstaging everyone else. We have arrived at the bend in this road, Ollie. Oh. However, says Christopher, one folder I found was named House Insurance. Ooh. I assumed that it would contain boring but important scan documents, but a cursory glance revealed what was unmistakably my parents' homemade porn. Oh. oh. Now I'm glad I'm a bad son. House insurance. Yeah. 
Good God. Whilst my parents and I have never comfortably discussed matters of the heart nor loins, <laughs> I am not shocked that my parents should have taken such photos. Well, sure, but that's different to having to look at them, isn't it? Nor traumatised for seeing them, though fortunately, a slow-loading thumbnail view saved me from knowing exactly how much of the Karma Sutra they have ticked off. <laughs> but now I don't know what to do with these files. Scrub them from your brain, perhaps by pouring soap in your ears. Ollie, answer me this. Should I... Delete the folder and never speak of it. Tell them I found it and teach my father how to properly encrypt and hide files. No. <laughs> Why not teach your mother? Or not mention it, but leave it on the new file server for them or potentially any of my visiting family to find in the fullness of time. Okay. Um, if I hadn't recently read a newspaper scare story, I would have actually gone for the latter option because if you called it home insurance again mm -hmm. and kept it on the new server, mm -hmm. okay, on some level... Your mum or your dad, if they were looking for that file, would assume uh, that indeed you had stumbled into its contents and that was embarrassing. But they would never talk to you about it they and might they'd be grateful it was yeah, there. Yeah, I think they might just assume you'd, you'd backed up everything without looking into all well, of it. Well, exactly. There'd be a cloud of doubt over it, so it would be the least awkward option. Yeah, yeah, it would yeah, still yeah. be there if they wanted to explore the photos of them exploring themselves. Uh, and equally, you wouldn't have to confirm or deny that you'd seen it. Indeed. However, mm -hmm. uh, I have just this week uh, been reading a story. It was a guy who posted on Reddit uh, that after he upgraded to Windows 10, mm -hmm. uh, his wife woke him up in the middle of the night to ask why there were pictures of naked celebrities on his screensaver. Uh, and oh. it is because the new Windows 10 operating system, uh, by default, accesses your My Pictures folder, uh, regardless of how deep a subfolder within that folder Thanks, there is. Thanks, Microsoft. Oh, okay. <laughs> Screwing up again. And uh, creates a screensaver out of whatever photos you have in there. Brilliant. So a warning to anyone uh, who's in that position. That is very useful information to have. Uh, but it just made me think, you know, if Microsoft have done that, mm -hmm. uh, other companies are going to follow suit it's probably going to become increasingly common uh, that files that you've stored not only locally but probably also in the cloud are going to be accessed by devices in the future in ways we can't predict. What if my screensaver is all my invoices? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think for that reason, I'm not sure there kind of is a hiding place anymore unless it's encrypted and password protected. Uh -huh. So for that reason, I think the option of just leaving it on the new server is a poor one. It'll end up in a Dropbox, which will end up at, you know, their three-year-old nephew's uh, mm -hmm birthday party in five years time being projected onto a giant clown screen so don't do that what are you suggesting printouts uh, <laughs> getting one of those printed photo books from apple i'm afraid that i think the best option is to delete it because they'll be too embarrassed if ever they remember it was there at all to ask you where it is yeah but they might want to be reminded of themselves in sexier times and that's, they've probably forgotten that it was there which is why they asked you to look at their computer and if they suddenly remember they'll be grateful to think you deleted it without looking at it couldn't you just put it in some obscure part of the file system so it's not like a top level photo folder or even in the photos at all so it wouldn't get grabbed to be put on screensavers nonetheless if they have any understanding of computers they'll they'll at some point log on to that and realize he's created a place for that file to live that then brings the conversation did he see or did he not see better to I, just delete it I, d I don't think it does because i think uh, most people of parental generations wouldn't question if something wasn't where they're expecting it it's because nothing is where they think it should be because they don't necessarily find uh the folder systems intuitive helen you're, you're talking about this in a, in a fairly i think dispassionate way here. yeah imagine this is your parents fucking impossible you've seen <laughs> you've discovered the photo collection are you telling me mm -hmm. you don't delete it you're telling me you create a subfolder you can't delete it that's their you memories. can delete it that's you... their sexual yeah. memories i have an idea you create a folder which is like photos to sort 
and you put in loads of photos in it, a lot of which are inconsequential. Where you say, I didn't know whether you wanted to keep these, so maybe you want to sort through them and see what you want to keep. And yes. then they will come upon their own pornographic photos as well, and they'll be like, oh, I've forgotten about these old favourites, but then it's their decision where to put them. That's not a bad idea, but there's a lot of contrivance there. You see, what I'm saying so, by deleting fine, yeah. is not having to confront it. What you're saying is kind of creating a wider lie. This is a real insight into your... I love to lie, and Ollie loves to erase history. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to create a folder <laughs> to create a folder that's called Photos to Sort, he's going to have to generate, like, fake photos. No, he's not. It just takes them from the rest of the computer system. But pretends he hasn't looked at them. Yeah, it's got to be like, well, this is like a boring picture of uh, your old kitchen. This looks yeah. like a folder full of pictures of us sledging. We don't need all these pictures of us sledging. What do you want to keep? I didn't have, a lot, I didn't have time to sort through all of these. There's a thing called home insurance. I didn't want to look at that because that's probably got your financial details in, so I put that on there as well for you to look at. It's yeah. fine, yeah. it's fine. Or actually just make it into a screensaver and then they'll be confronted <laughs> by what they forced you to do. Well, I think now we are all going to need an intermission and uh, today's is taken from Answer Me This episode 84, which featured special guest Josie Long. Uh, if uh, you're not a long-term listener of the podcast, you might not realise that very occasionally, about once every 25 episodes, episodes we do actually have someone join us uh, to answer your questions and uh, in included amongst the episodes you can buy uh, you can hear the episodes we recorded with Josie Long but also uh, John Ronson yeah Ian Collins yeah Andy Zaltzman heard of him Pappies and episode 200 which had all of our families on oh yeah that's right yeah yeah so all of those are available along with the rest of our archive episodes and our albums at answermethisstore.com when I was 16, I went out with a boy called Luke, who is now allegedly a crack and heroin addict who sells travel cards at New Crossgate Station. Look out for him. <laughs> Although he has latched onto a dying industry with Oyster. We went out for 18 months and we should have been out for six days. Mm-hmm. But would um, you have got something out of those six days? Would they have been valuable? Yeah, six I'd, days? Have got, I'd have got mine out of those six yeah, days. <laughs> but as a relationship, there were lots of arguments. We really didn't get on. He was, he was very messed up as a human being. And you don't need this when you're yeah. mid teens. Very volatile. And what happened was I tried to speak split up with him in February 1998 and he undumped himself. How do you undump You can't do that. Well, you, apparently you can with me Here's because it went out for another year. Just I said, it's amazing. you're dumped and he went, no, this isn't the end. Uh, no, you, really? you can't dump me. Did you go, he must know something? Yeah, I thought he knows the rules. You idiot. I didn't realise. Did he have like a get out of jail free card or he just went, no, sorry. He had the undump pass and I went, around. Well, this looks official. <laughs> Listeners, please do call in with your questions and the number you need to remember is... 0208123 Or you can Skype, answer me this. Let's hear who's been in touch. Hello, Alan and Ali. This is James from Buxton. Um, Alan and Ali, answer me this. How does one pronounce the word zhuzh, as in to zhuzh one's hair, up... Um, and um, where did it originate from? And um, is it an onomatopoeic word? Because when you judge your hair, it doesn't really make a noise. No, it's not an onomatopoeia. It's an essentially a, an acoustic-less activity, I would say. So it would be odd to suggest that would be onomatopoeic. Yeah, well, it is from Polari, the... Uh... Gay slang? From the, what, pre pre-being allowed to be a homosexual era. Exactly. Polari yeah. has really lost out since you no longer had to speak in code because what you were was illegal. And it wasn't just gay slang, it was combined with theatrical slang and circus slang and criminal slang and quite a lot of random influences from different languages. So zhuzh might have been from the Romany word zhuzho, which meant clean or neat. So I guess it's neatening up your hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, zhuzh might be from Hebrew, uh, in which it meant to shine bright. 
But it's hard to know because it's slang and slang is really hard to pinpoint. But um, the first written appearance isn't till 1977, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. But there are so many ways in which you could spell zhuzh. Well, I, yeah. I'm not sure there's one way you can spell it, is there? Yeah, I would go Z-H-U-Z-H, partly because it's shorter than a lot of the other options. I think I'd start with a J. I mean, if you're writing mm. it out, it would be J-O-O-D-J-E. But no, I know then, English doesn't really work like that. Yeah, then it would sound like judge rather than zhuzh. Yeah, I can see how you've ended up with a Z in that, but that, yeah. that might be your Eastern European influences coming out. Oh, oh, we're, oh we're going there, are we? <laughs> but we've got quite a lot of uh, slangs in our language now that came from Polari, like glossies for magazines and yeah. slap for makeup and Kazi for toilet. Yes, I can imagine Kenneth Williams saying all of those things yeah. on an episode of Parkinson. Here's a question from Matt from Harrogate, who says, Since we're now in the summer months, I've been enjoying the healthy version of ice cream... Eating an ice Water. cream and then working out. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that is. Froyo! Oh, right, yeah. No, no, was that a sigh, Martin? Because I obviously would prefer an ice cream to a frozen yogurt, but actually, frozen yogurt is still delicious. I don't really see the difference. I don't feel very, very kind of towards Froyo. What did it ever do to you? It's, it's all right, isn't it? It's just, yogurt has that sour flavour, doesn't it? I Which like ice cream that. doesn't have. Matt says, Ollie, answer me this. Mm. Is frozen yogurt just frozen yogurt yep that's all there is to it that's all they do they go and buy a mullet fruit corner stick it in the freezer bang done and, what's the fuss about and if i bought a big enough tub of yogurt and froze it would it be the same okay no it wouldn't because if you put anything that's not designed to be frozen in the freezer it kind of goes fizzy and weird yeah well just crappy i remember i used to try freezing orange juice when i was a child to make lollies and it was always just kind of marshy and didn't taste strong enough okay I need to talk about that right now before okay. I go back to frozen okay. yogurt. Okay. Um, I've recently, in a sale, uh, they're only two quid, absolute bargain, uh, got some of those homemade lollipop stick things yes. that will fit in my freezer. And it's been a long time trying to find the right ones because we've got a small freezer, but cargo in the sale. They okay. Had them. Been a long time coming, but See? I know a change is going to come. <laughs> so, the traditional thing to put them is like pineapple juice and stuff like that. Yeah. I was wondering, is there a hipster cool thing to put in ice lolly Mojito. Oh, with thank leaves. You. That's it. I'm on that. Uh, you got to watch the alcohol content because that might make it more difficult to freeze, right? Yeah. That's well, you true. need to up the sugar content to make it freeze. So I'd imagine that is also relating to the frozen yogurt that you need more sugar and you need to churn it. Yes. What is your disposition towards the frozen yogurt chains they have in the USA that haven't really spread across Britain no, yet? The haven't. ones where it's like um, twenty different things that will extrude frozen yogurt and then a whole pick and mix full of stuff you can chuck in there as if it wasn't unhealthy enough. exactly well it's just classic american isn't it you know they've, they've taken something that they're selling on the basis you'd only eat it because you might think it's healthier than ice cream and then you stick literally 20 types of sweets on top of it <laughs> i think uh we were jet lagged in seattle and we went to one of these things and i was very excited and uh, then it just looks like a dog is shitting into your cup <laughs> as the thing curls out a lump of frozen yogurt. Yeah. That so was Martin, one of the least pleasant experiences of my life. I think that is why Martin dislikes frozen yogurt. But hold on, you, you and see, I... You benched it, you did it really slowly, so it really looked like a dog was taking a long, luxurious shit into your cup. <laughs> Hello, hi, I'm Lola. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, the phone went a bit weird. Um, uh, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. If... Beer is made from barley and vodka is made from potatoes, yeah. Uh, What is tequila made from? And what have you two been drinking? (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I wonder if they've been having Desperados, which is the beer with tequila shots in it. I like that. 
is it nice or is it it just, is nice it okay. is nice actually yeah. it's, it's like salty beer so it's like um, Ooh, yummy no but you know when you go to a Mexican restaurant and they do I can't remember what they call it but it's it's like a lager and then they'll squeeze like a whole lime in there and some mm. salt and something spicy okay it's a bit like michelada I think it's called right it's like that but in a bottle mm. uh, and it's good and the tequila makes it a little bit savoury which I like a little bit spicy uh, tequila by itself Mm-hmm. Uh, to me is just pain so I've had good tequila though uh, I've got a Mexican colleague who brought in a bottle of good tequila and it's so different from your supermarket tequila it's one of these place of origin things so only no. certain places are meant to manufacture it and it's meant to be 100% made from the blue Weber agave oh. so not just any old agave which is a succulent plant that's related to the lily not the cactus it's the one that looks like a big collection of spikes quite cool looking but very firm. Like, if you walk into it, it'll probably slice your arm off. And appropriately uh, Central American as well. Well, that's why they make it out of it. Sure. But sometimes, uh, well, like the Russian association with vodka, you know, a country will become associated with a product that actually you could make in lots of places now that we have potatoes everywhere. So many potatoes aren't native to Russia, are they? They're South American, right? But the point being... Yeah, I can't imagine you get many Mexican flowers you could make tequila out of in, uh, for example, Ireland. Well, yeah, you use what you've got. Exactly. That's why Irish tequila just hasn't really made big inroads <laughs> in the market yet. Um, so it's actually made out of the heart of the agave uh, called the piña, mm-hmm. and uh, they extract it. It's pretty massive. Um, and then they split it open and steam it in a pressure cooker, and then the resulting liquids uh, are fermented which can take quite a long time. And then there are a couple of distillation processes and then you have your high quality, 100% Blue Weber Agave tequila and then lesser brands will dilute it and add loads of sugar water and other shit. I think if I was a bartender, uh, I would secretly hate everyone who ordered tequila because... There's then the performance, isn't there, with the lemon and the salt. Oh, tequila slammers. Yeah, where everyone's like, oh, you've got to do this first, then you've got to do that. Oh, she's dropped it on the floor. Oh, and all these drunk people just being annoying. Yeah, but that's like uh, with loads of drinks, like Jaeger bombs. Yes. To be fair, if you get annoyed by drunk people, bartending is probably not the career for you. Sure. But I just think tequila in particular, because it's an experience and people make a thing out and they start taking photos of it and stuff. Mm. I'd just be like, because you'd see it every day. Mm. You know, it's the like novelty might wear off. Yeah, it's like when you go to one of those Chinese restaurants where they set fire to a whole chicken at your table. I don't um, think that has ever happened to me. Oh, it's an amazing thing. They set fire to a chicken. Yeah, they, they well, you know, they pour some sort of alcohol on it and set fire to it. Is it dead? The chicken is dead. Um, certainly as by the time they finish with it. I, I love examining the nonchalant expressions of, of the waiters when they do that because they've seen it all before. I mean, they've set yeah. fire to five chickens that day. And yet the people do, they're doing it to are like, whoa, take a picture. You, and they're thinking, oh, get over it. There must be a certain pleasure there to bringing that delight to a whole group of new people, even though it seems no. commonplace to you. Not for me. It's a bit of theatre. Well, that's why you're not a waiter, are they? Uh, yeah. No compassion that's for the, other people's the, delight. The only reason. It does seem that way. The Silicon Roundabout's my favourite place To become a webpreneur would be really ace Like that awesome guy Tom Who was my first friend on MySpace We haven't kept in touch Get your foot on the ladder to online success Through Squarespace build a site and get a free web address Then hang around East London until you get hired in the US Mountain View is calling Google have free buffet Thank you very much to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This. And thank you for making websites that are easy to design and then work, not just on PCs and Macs, but also on tablets, 
on smartphones automatically resizes even those ones that are in between a tablet and a smartphone i will not say the word (laughs) so go to squarespace.com have a poke around try out their different templates and functions and then if you choose to sign up you can get 10 percent off using the code answer Answer. and you get a free url as well yes chucked into the deal i'm about to set up a new website with squarespace but i can't talk about it it's a secret it's exciting why would you bring it up if you can't talk about it martin i'm quite excited about it i'll I'll let listeners know it's a tease is this yes, you doing it? You're blue balling all of our listeners. <laughs> Hello, Helen. It's Tom from Manchester. My friends have started reaching the age now where they start to talk about things like networking. And it just seems a little bit wrong. Like, I'm trying to give an image to my, of myself to these people that just isn't real. It just feels a little bit disingenuous. So, uh, yeah. Helen, I'm through this. How do I network? Preferably without wanting to die. I think networking is disingenuous if you make it disingenuous, but I think in its ideal form, it is human beings having a conversation about human being things. And I think actually that is what turns out to be useful because later when you have to contact someone in a business context, you can add a bit of warm up in your emails. Like, oh, hi, lovely to meet you the other week. How are your two children? Yes. How was Peru? Did yeah, you enjoy exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the problem is that comes when you've done that sort of deliberately. Like, I think it is very cynical when you're kind of going around the room going, right, now who's in this room that I can, I can use? And-? But that's because you have self-doubt as well if you go into the room thinking i have things to offer the people in this room it's a business context okay so if you find that cynical then you're right you should never go to a networking event but if you actually want to meet other people who do the same job as you or who might indeed be useful to you in your job i think you need to walk into that room thinking i am a useful person for these people to meet i have things to offer them as well they might like me and if you go up to them and have a conversation in a way that is about as much what you might be able to do to help them as what they might be able to do to help you, then you're not thinking about it in that cynical way of using each other. You're using it in a very honest way to say, we both do similar things. Uh, are there ways we could work together? Yeah, but that is the cynical way. No, it's, it's not, because it's very... not about your advantage necessarily. That Sometimes there's a, a relationship where you're of more use to the person you're speaking to than they are to you. But it's very commodifying. And what I'm saying is for you not to be uncomfortable, make it like a real conversation and that work will already be done by the fact you've had a real conversation. But I didn't say don't make it like a real conversation. I said just... implied it. No, I didn't. Hello, my name's Ollie Mann. How may I be of use to you today? And you to me, because this is reciprocal. Good day. No, but if you walk in just being confident that there's a reason people would want to talk to you as well yeah, but what if you can't have that confidence because there you is can. no good reason no, but, but there what is. if you can't there is always a reason why yeah, someone but wants to talk a lot of people need... are not as confident as you no, but what i'm saying but everyone has to fake it in those situations that's what i'm saying i'm saying you need to go in knowing that there is a reason people would want to meet and that might be okay. you've got loads of free smarties uh, it might be that it might be that what you have is a humorous take on the event you've just been attending together but the point is, there's a reason someone wants to talk to you as, the, as well as the reason that well, you want to talk to them. Well, I've got a slightly different perspective, and this isn't something that I didn't come to until I was in my 30s, which is, like, genuine networking is finding people you, want, you like and want to work with. It's got nothing to do with the advantages you give them or they, they, they give you. It's just when you get to a point in your career where you have choice about who you work with, you want to work with people that you have a rapport with and that are nice. And you don't know who that is. That might be someone that you met two years ago and you had no reason to think that, that either, either of you would be useful in a yeah, professional still, context. Yeah, but there's still the background that you think that there, there may be something you could do together, but it could be something very tenuous. I mean, there's a new book that's out by um, Brian Grazer, the Hollywood producer. Mm-hmm. It's called something like The Secret to a Bigger Life. Uh, he sounds like a bit of a dick, to be honest, but it's quite interesting. What he does is he writes to people that he finds interesting mm-hmm. and asks them out for lunch. And he's been doing that for 25 years. 
there's a slightly odd power play thing going on where they probably think, oh my God, Brian Grace is going to make a film about me. Uh, so in a sense, he's slightly abusing his own, uh, you know, uh, reputation. Uh, but he does just write to people that he thinks have had interesting lives. And the genuine reason he says is that he wants to expand his own mind and he wants to talk to them about their experiences, find someone that he thinks is interesting and then says, let's go for lunch. I've done that. I've done that with people that I've met on Twitter. Yeah. Like, let's meet in real life. Yeah. Not for anything. I think it's actually quite an inspirational approach but i just think that there is that slightly unevenness that he's a big shot hollywood film producer so if he wrote to you you'd be feeling like you're the minor part in that discussion well this is my point about you saying you've got something to offer because you don't always feel like you have and even if you have you might not have identified that you have so i think you're being idealistic when you say that's how it should be so if you are really at the bottom of a career ladder and you're going into a room full of people who are more senior than you how do you at least emulate that confidence that you, Ollie Man, naturally have. Because I think I've become a lot better at having to do this kind of thing over the years that we've been working together. And part of it was watching you just not have the barriers that other people have. But I know deep down that you are an unconfident mess. So how do you how, how do you fake that? Um, I suppose sometimes I, I look for people's physical manifestations and see if they're feeling as awkward as I am. Okay, look for signs yeah. of weakness. Okay, so, you know, tip. in a British scenario... Um, it often revolves around alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you've been drinking a lot, find me other people that are drinking a lot and you can talk about drinking. Uh, if you're, Yay. But it's all about finding someone who looks like they feel the same about the do as you do. I would suggest if you're at a kind of networking event type thing where there are lots of people around and you've managed to buttonhole somebody, don't keep them too long. Because I sometimes mm. get networked by people, which is hilarious to me because I have nothing I can give people. And they... That's not true. You see, that's your self-doubt. You do have things you can give people. That I'm not going to give them. And, <laughs> and um, they will not leave quickly enough. So it's awkward. Like a few minutes, fine. Then you've got to be like, well, it's been lovely to meet you. Yeah. And then you go. So you've kind of got the power because you have ended the conversation. I think if someone says to you can i get you a drink mm-hmm. sometimes that means the conversation's going really well hey we're new yeah. friends let's let's have a drink together usually that means i've had enough talking to you i need an excuse to walk away from you and do something yeah pick up that hint yeah like take the drink when they come back and then be talking to someone else so yeah. that it's up to them to join back in if they need to if they've broken the conversation saying i must go to the loo yeah when they come out of the loo say goodbye to them yeah. but don't reinitiate contact yeah knowing when to leave is as important as starting up this conversation but uh, what is both of your opinions on business card etiquette? Because if I, someone gives me a card, I think, well, that's just something I'm going to have to put in the recycling later. I actually, it's funny you mentioned this, just yesterday, uh, I had 45 minutes in which I was thinking, huh, I've done my tasks for the day. I don't quite know what to do. Oh, lucky you. Uh, but I'm in work time. I should do some work. So I decided to digitise my business cards. I've got a big pile of about 200. But I went through and I would say 75% of them. I didn't know who those people were. Yeah. Do you do with business cards yourself? Do you hand them out? I do have a business card. But my business card has a picture of my face on it. <laughs> which I, of course. I know. Is, it, is it like one of those postcards of the royal family where it's the shape of your face with eye holes cut out? <laughs> uh, it, look, I, I know that seems like a completely egomaniac thing to do, but it, that I think is useful because they may think I'm a dick, but at least they'll look through their business cards in three years' time like I was, and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's that dick I met. You know, whereas uh, it's a way of I reminding them. I feel like this them. is creating as many problems as itself. I've never had them. Do you have an elevator pitch? Do you know this concept, the elevator pitch, that you're in an elevator with someone for 20 seconds, you have to tell them who you are before they get out. Do you, have you got one? I'm Ollie Man. I'm here to change your life. 
let's make beautiful sounds together. <laughs> no, you're too busy farting in an elevator to say that. Also, in Britain, it would be called a lift pitch, which just doesn't sound... That sounds like an exercise or something. So that's a no, then? Of course not. Well, what's your elevator pitch, Martin? Yeah, oh, Martin. I don't have one now. I don't have one. Just a bit of awkward stumbling and then say, I like silence. Oh, the appropriate thing to do <laughs> in an elevator is be silent and not <laughs> and to be pushy at people. Yeah, I think... I think that's right. I mean, I would not yeah, take yeah. networking so far that I would corner anyone in an elevator. Elevator's private time. Yeah. It's dead time, actually, is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it didn't happen. It's time to ponder your mortality. Exactly. Helen Ollie, answer me this. Don't ridicule me and don't take the piss. Give me a clue. To what I'm asking bum, 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 Then in your awesome knowledge I'll be basking What's in some man I'm so alone No one to email No one to email And no one to phone Where can I get new friends from? Answer me this Here's a question from Robin in Manchester Who says I recently gave in to the current supposedly de-stressing and useless pastime of colouring books for grown-ups. God. You're part of the problem, not part of the solution, Robin. She couldn't help it. She gave in. No, but she knows that it's useless and pointless. She says so herself. Well, it obviously is not completely pointless because she says, I do have to admit that it has brought a level of peace to my otherwise frantic evenings of watching television. You can Mm. do both at the same time. However, it has, unfortunately, brought a further cause of agonising stress into my life. Right. When I bought my colouring book, I also bought a packet of colouring pencils. The pack has 19 functional colours and one white pencil. Most paper that would be coloured on is white itself. And any that isn't, I'm sure that a white pencil would not show up well on. Well, don't be sure. I've seen black paper in the past, which is kind of coalish, you know, which white pencil shows up very well on. Uh, It shows up all right, but ink or chalk will show up better. So Ollie answered me this. What is the point of white colouring pencils? When I was a regular uh, user of colouring pencils, I used my white colouring pencil as a dilution tool. Uh, ah. So that the white was there to make the red pink. Well, so you you draw on top of the red colouring with yes. the white colouring, and it oh, works. Right, right. Uh, from memory, I mean, I you know I wouldn't want to vouch for it now, but when I was seven, I certainly believed it worked. I'm, you know, as I'm far convinced. as I'm concerned, uh, that was a useful thing. Like, say for example, as well, you were drawing Matt Berry, so you've got yes. like the black hair, and then you want a white streak in it. Mm-hmm. There's still a place for the white, isn't there? Because you'd probably you wouldn't leave a gap on the on the colour of the paper. You'd make it all black, and then you'd put a white line through it. Yeah. So, okay. you know, yeah. I, I can think of numerous case scenarios. I think the white pencils that I've had that have worked have been quite soft, though, and often the ones you get in a colouring pencil pack are too hard to make much impact on the paper. So maybe you had a particularly good one. Uh, here's a question from Daniel in Essex, who says, Helen, can you answer me this? Would it be a faux pas to read a book during a live classical concert? <laughs> Not if it's the musical score, presumably. Mm. Otherwise, I would say yes. Or the programme. He says, I do enjoy listening to the music. I I generally listen to classical music at home whilst I'm reading. Uh, Although don't read too much into that. I'm from Basildon and I'm most likely far from the refined gentleman that that sentence paints. I don't know. I think that's (laughs) your own snobbery at play. Uh, I find listening to music with lyrics too distracting whilst I'm reading. But I find watching a live classical music performance boring to watch after a short while. Well, that's when you need your adult colouring book. (laughs) Uh, Do you think I'd be booted out of the concert hall or would I have to suffer the frowns of a thousand pompous bellends? Reverse snobbery again. This is Mm. a self-hating classical music fan. 
who are probably envious that they didn't have the same idea. Mm. <laughs> but a lot of classical music concerts are dark, so are you talking about reading a book on an illuminated electronic e-reading device? That would definitely be wrong. That is a no-no. I suspect uh, that in this uh, four-dimensional world in which we live now, one mm. of the joys of going to a classical music concert, if you're into it, and I'm not, but I can imagine it might be later in life, is that it is all about concentration, like reading a really sort of knotty novel or mm. something. Mm. That like the one of the joys about it in the twenty first century is precisely that you're not multitasking for once. You are focusing on this thing and this art form and watching it and enjoying it. And the fact that it's a bit hard to get into is part of the reason people like classical music, isn't it? It feels is like it? something you appreciate like a fine wine rather than something that's an instant hit. It's an idea developed over time, isn't it? You're supposed to concentrate on. But he's already into it. It's not that he's not into it. It's just that the the, the visual interest of an orchestra playing isn't that much for him. I, I can I can I can relate to that. I think I would get a bit bored with seeing the music. Yeah, but I have that with every gig. It's not just classical ones. My mind wanders a lot with virtually all of them. I would quite like the option. I feel at like a festival where it's outdoors, it would be okay. Yes, that's yeah, true. Definitely. But that's because yeah. festivals also, it's okay to wander in and out. People are it, chatting, yeah. they're drinking their ciders, they're reading their programmes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Whereas indoors, all the rules are different, aren't they? They are. You know, imagine being the cellist who looks up having just played a triumphant solo to see that you're reading a fucking book. They've been training all their lives for this, their fingers are bleeding. Exactly. But, but there, there must be a lot of people who fall asleep in classical concerts, not because it's boring, just because there's a lot of, you know, octogenarians that go to classical yeah, music. but that's excusable music. because it's involuntary. If you're reading, what's the point of being there for this live experience rather than sitting at home listening to it recorded and reading well i do sometimes wonder in those big venues mm. i mean i went to see ben folds at the royal opera house last week and it was amazing but i was in the second row yeah i did think if i was sitting in the gods for this mm. be one thing if i was actually watching a large-scale opera with hundreds of people on stage belting out songs at me mm. but actually watching essentially one pop pianist and you know six musicians sitting around him from the back, you might as well have been listening to the record, really. Yeah, well, I assume that's the case with a lot of people at, say, Wembley or yeah. Two. So I, it is kind of excusable the further away you are from the stage. Well, but I I'm imagining that... sort of chamber concert hall, you, you need to be watching. I think that's true, but like a, a good music set of musicians will create music in the moment and it will feel genuinely vital. Mm. As you were saying, Ollie, this is your opportunity to let your mind be untethered. So don't focus on words. You're at a wordless medium. So let's see what abstract things your brain can come up with. I often come up with new patchwork ideas when I'm watching music that I'm not fully engaged by, aka Bill Callahan at the Royal Festival Hall oh, the other don't year. T- we don't talk about that gig. Or do what my grandma does mm-hmm. and only attend classical concerts that have fireworks included. She is brilliant. I mean, that's a great evening out. Yeah, it's, it's startling when it wakes you up, though. Picnic. Songs from the ads, yep. fireworks. Home now by that 10. is a classical music experience. <laughs> <laughs> she loves Andro Ryu. What is it with the old Jewish women and Andro Ryu? I tried and to Alfie ask Bo. her. <laughs> I tried to ask her, like, without being patronising, like, why, why do all old Jewish women love Andro Ryu? What is it? Like, he's, have you, you're frowning, Martin. Do you know know maybe maybe, maybe he's done a tour of the shuls. He, he looks like a German porn star. Uh, right, okay, and that's he a good plays, start. like, umpapa music um, oh, okay. with fireworks, people wearing lederhosen. Do you get fireworks coming out of the tubers? It looks terribly corny. Right. And old women uh, in North London all watch it on Sky Arts and love it. And I just don't understand what the connection is. It sounds like a collective hysteria. Um, it's it's not all in Papa. He he's a classical violinist, isn't he? Yeah, but it's Oh god his face. Isn't he weird? He's got a he's got a cum face on the whole time. He looks a bit like Carrie Elwes in the Saw films. His, head, his face is so big. I said to her, you know, what is it? What is it about the old Jewish women in Andrea? And she just said But it's wonderful. Oh. So it was hitting her on some primal level. Some groinal level. Yeah, he wants 
to pluck her string. She'd like to have a fiddle. Well, listeners, that brings us to the end of today's Question Jamboree. <laughs> uh, but for there to be further questions in uh, the next episode of Answer Me This, Jamboree. there's only one way... Yeah, I'm not going to go down okay. that. Line. I mean, it was, it was a nice fine. attempt okay, to try no, and pick fine. up a new catchphrase, but it was, it was flawed fundamentally. Mm. Uh, then, I mean, uh, people complain about the word podcast, so why not Jamboree? Mm. I'm not disagreeing. Why didn't we call the show Question Jamboree? That would have been better. Uh, that's not bad. Too late. Anyway, if you have a question uh, for the next episode of Answer Me This, then you can supply it via the contact details listed upon our website answermethispodcast.com also you can find us at uh, twitter.com slash helenlolly and facebook.com slash answermethis where there's been some fun activity recently the other day there was an amazing thread about the most boring jobs you've ever had I know nearly uh, about 100 comments on this at the moment Uh, wine bottle putter honour someone said that they'd done I quite like that one what are they putting them on Uh (laughs) Here's the label they were putting on the wine bottle. Wow. Yeah. Uh, packing kiwi fruit. Uh, and I think my favourite actually was the lady who said that the most boring job she'd had was putting tights on a machine where there are two fake legs. Um, <laughs> so she's on a production line putting the tights on to see if they laddered. Wow, like those things that, that put condoms through stress tests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with people doing jobs as boring as that, no wonder you're listening to us whilst you're at work. And yeah. thank goodness that's the case. Yeah. And uh, one final thanks to squarespace.com. Use the code answer if you want a discount on Squarespace's marvellous services. Yes, thank you, Squarespace. And thank you, listeners. Tell your friends about our show. Mm. We'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.